Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. And we have Ms. Lakeisha Wolf on with us this morning from Ujama Collective out of Pittsburgh. Good morning, Lakeisha. Good morning. How are you? I am great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. All right. And recovering from, from COVID, so mask up, everybody. <laughs> You're recovering from COVID? Well, I, I'm, I'm glad we're in different rooms, okay, different spaces. Where are you, by the way? What part of the country? So I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's Western Pennsylvania. Okay. And I am in Washington, D.C., so I don't think I'll catch it from you today. Good news. Okay. <laughs> Glad you're on I'm the... Negative. <laughs> you say what? I've tested negative, so I'm in the clear now. Yeah, I'm glad you're on the men. I'm glad, glad, glad. Um, so let's start off by... Telling, telling our viewers, what is Ujama Collective and how did you get started with that? Sure. So um, Ujama Collective, we are a cooperative nonprofit um, based in the historic Hill District neighborhood in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, we got started actually in 2008 um, organizing black women. We all were artists and cultural workers and, um, you know, entrepreneurs, and we cared a lot about our, our community. Um, but we all had challenges um, in, you know, kind of making that transition from an artist to a business owner, and we all would be looking for places to sell our, 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 our creations. And so we came together and organized and recognized that we, you know, we had a lot of the same mutual needs, some of the same challenges, and got together, first started doing like vending events together, sharing table fees, things of that nature. And as we continue to build relationships with each other over time, we recognize, hey, we can, you know, kind of make a business out of this together. And so that's really how our collective was born. And so we started doing open air marketplaces, holding events. And then in 2010, we opened up our cooperative retail store, our boutique. And so we've been running that, that boutique now. We just hit our 13th retail anniversary um, over Black Friday, Small Business Saturday. Mm, fantastic. Yeah. So as an artist, you found and you found that other women, other artists, particularly black women, had the same challenges. You create something, but how do you get paid for it? And, right, right. And how do you get paid a different a a, a fee that's that's worth the creation? How do you get paid mm -hmm. enough? Okay. Right. And how and how is that? Um, consistent, 
Right. Um, and also, you know, I think some of the, the other challenges that, that we are, that, that we experience and have experienced, right, are not just solely, you know, economic. So we, we recognize that our, that our cooperation also helps us to, to achieve social and cultural, um, needs as well. And so, you know, we, you know, we really are big on community, on, on, on sisterhood, right? So there's, there's other aspects to our coming together, um, that also are highly important for us, right? So yes, we all want to be, you know, making money, you know, being able to see the things we create get used and get, um, you know, celebrated by, by folks, um, but, but at the same time, you know, everybody needs community. Everybody needs support. Um, we need relationships to survive, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so we, yeah, so we also dig, dig deep into, in, into those other, um, facets of, of our existence together. And it's, and it's been a really rewarding experience. So what's your background, education, how you grew up? How did you get to be so creative and an artist? How, what's your background? Well, I think the, the creativity is just in me, right? Like there's, there, there wasn't anything I had to necessarily do um, except to be open to it. Um, but honestly, I, you know, I went to, I went to Penn State University and, um, and at Penn State, I, I learned some really deep and profound life lessons about community, right? That's actually when I became a community organizer, mm -hmm. really when, when, when I was a student there dealing with, with a lot of um, overt and covert um, racism and white supremacy. I was getting death threats um, from white supremacists when I was a college student. I was the president of, of, the, of the Black Caucus, which is our Black Student Union. Um, and so, you know, Penn, you know, Pennsylvania has a, a, a very long history. Um, you know, a lot of uh, older folks will say that, you know, um, you know, the state of Pennsylvania is Pittsburgh, Philly and Mississippi in the middle. Uh -oh. Right. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so that's smack dab where the university is. And so we um, so I and a lot of other black students, we definitely had a lot of challenges, but we came together and stood up to a lot of those things. Um, and so it really changed how I viewed um, the power of, of of unity. Right. At that time. And also the power of culture. Right. And so I think a lot of my life has been um, marked by by the importance of learning and sharing Africana culture. Right. And so, you know, I consider myself to be an, an artist and a cultural worker. Right. And so a lot of the things that I do are about bringing people together, are about helping people heal from some of these really um uh, exploitative systems that we experience and, and, and have lived with for generations. And, you know, there's, 
really um, negative impacts from from these systems we we live under, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why co-op is so important to me because it's really a pathway, I believe, right? And, and I think a lot of other people feel, um, especially if you're a Black cooperator, a lot of folks recognize that this is a part of our heritage, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, being cooperative, sharing, you know, really doing things that that are um, focused on like mutual aid, that that is our legacy, right? Like that is a part of what it means to to really be a black person, to be a person who's, you know, whose ancestry is indigenous to certain lands over time, right? And that only through a lot of these traumatic, like historical experiences have have we lost that, right? And so, you know, we get caught up in the throes of like capitalism and sometimes feel like we need to operate in certain ways and can you know compete with 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 folks and feeling like there's there's scarcity and that there's not enough, right? And so you know, so 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 much of my life has been about kind of rediscovering those aspects of who we are um, as a people and as a community, right? And really reclaiming those things, you know. So the work that I do within our our collective is really about that work. That work. And what did you major in at Penn State? And were were you at State College? Yeah, I started in Altoona, and then I went to State College. Um, my major was communications. It actually was broadcast journalism, Vernon. Oh, I I to be in in anchor woman. You know, I um, but I think more more than anything, right? Like when I, you know, I've thought about that for years, right? Like, well, why, you know, why didn't I take that path? And and for me, it was, you know, um, I really needed an an alternative path. Um, ultimately, that 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 was going to help me bring out my two gifts, my 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 purpose. Yeah. And so, yeah. So here, so here, here I am, and here I am <laughs> being a radio host with no education and then no nothing. I went to Penn State uh, and got my master's in mathematics there. So, oh, wow. um, undergrad with chemistry and math, and I got my master's. I was in a doctoral program at at Penn State. And because the work was so challenging, I I went from my apartment to the math department, and that's where I was. I wasn't involved in anything, anything else, you know. And so, um, listening to you about what state college is like, I had, didn't have that experience because it was so narrow. My view was so narrowly focused, and I ended up with. Um, a master's um, in mathematics. I can see that having grown up in West Virginia, where it's mostly Mississippi, all of it. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I, it's amazing the life, the choices that you take. You were studying communications, broadcast journalism, and somehow you're community organizing. And your artist creativity came in and took over your path. And that's what you ended up doing under the cooperative banner. banner. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I would say, you know, I think that the, the sort of through line for me, which I sort of alluded to, right, is, is always also been about wellness, right, about um, not just physical health, 
but but really thinking about community wellness, right? Um, and you know what are what are the what are the conditions, right, that really help make people well? And so, wellness has been um, also sort of a through line, right? Like, how do we regulate our nervous systems dealing with so much trauma? Um, and so, yeah, I think that community and cooperation are one of the pathways, you know, for us being well. So we're going to take our first break here, but I would like to come back and talk about the whole wellness piece. In particular, how does your artist work and, and the, the things that you and the other artists do to help people relax, to help people enjoy life, to help people have a, a better sense of wellness. And I don't know what it's like in Pittsburgh, but I've gotten stats in like Cleveland. If you live inner city Cleveland, where blacks live versus the suburbs of Cleveland, the folks in inner city Cleveland have a 10 year less lifespan than the folks on the outside. So this wellness affects one's quality of life and quantity. How long will we be here? Yeah, it does. We're going to take our first break. We'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch that down. This is WOL News Talk 1450 AM and 95.9 FM. Now your WOL traffic sponsored by Jiffy Lube. A brief but abrupt delay on the eastbound side of 695 the freeway just after the 3rd Street Tunnel as you approach South Capitol Street. Heading inbound over the 11th Street Bridge, nice and quiet. No problems or delays in the 3rd Street Tunnel, so that looks good. New York Avenue each direction at North Capitol Street, Florida Avenue. Just have some signal light delays. That's what I'm seeing as well on Pennsylvania Avenue between 8th and 11th Street. Getting through those signal lights just with some of the stop and go. DC 295 slowest stretch southbound will be south of Burroughs Avenue to get you down past. East Capitol Street with lanes reported open. Jiffy Lube, where speed meets quality for an oil change and vehicle maintenance experience you can trust. Visit JiffyLubeDC.com for location near you. Now your WOL forecast, partly sunny, milder today, high of 54, overnight low of 35. Tomorrow, cloudy, a bit of rain expected in the afternoon, high of 50. Current temperature in D.C. is 43 degrees. I'm Jamie Witten for News Talk 1450 AM WOL, where information is power. Information is power. That's the motto for WOL. And it's a great, great motto. And they've been a, a wonderful partner in these. We're in our 11th year now. We've celebrated 10 years on the air Lakeisha last month, October. But on the first, the first month, I had a gentleman, Papa Sin, from Senegal, who said, it's not information that gives you the power. It's putting that putting that information to action when you when you put it to action then you get the power and you mm -hmm. talked about the power of culture the power of unity all of that's about action getting the information of how to work together and community organizing as you talked about and what i want to talk about the power of wellness particularly through creativity and other ways that you are using and seeing how you can help our community with wellness so how do you do that? How do we do it? Well, 
Ujima does that in, in a lot of different ways. You know, we we are very much involved in our community, even outside of our membership, right? Um, you know, one of the one of the seven principles, right, is is concern for community, and you know, and even when we founded our collective, that was one of the main drivers. Is that you know, when when we looked around at our own conditions as Black women, but at the conditions of our community, right? We we recognized that nobody was going to come in and save us, right? And so mm-hmm. we had to, um, you know, our, our, our challenge is how do we work together, one? How do we move beyond some of our, our own individualized traumas, too, in order to, to even form relationships, right? Because we know that cooperation is is relational. But the power we have when we can move through that and make a, make a decision to then, right, move out together, right? And so I would say that, you know, one, one piece is to have a level of consistency together, right? I think that, you know, in a neighborhood, you know, which, which is very much similar to, I think, lots of Black neighborhoods, over time, right, in in the Hill District neighborhood, right, this is a neighborhood that in the early days has, you know, you know, folks recount this wonderful history of jazz and black business and, you know, it's known as the crossroads of the world, but disinvestment, um, you know, um, eminent domain, all of these things that, that you know, putting highways through, you know, mm-hmm. black neighborhoods, all of these things that have happened to us, right? And the level of trauma of of loss um, that that folks hold in their bodies, right? And so for us, it really was about, you know, how can we create a business and a business and a business presence that's in the neighborhood that's actually beyond business, right? That 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 reminds our community of how beautiful they are, of how resilient they are, right? And that we deserve quality, we deserve great customer service, right? That that for us was was, was really important, right? Because if, if you have a neighborhood that has not had a grocery store for decades, if you have a neighborhood that is that has been used to boarded up, you know, buildings, right, if that is the landscape and the environment, right, that has a, a, a wearing effect on the psyche over time, right, in that you have generations of folks who, who have experienced this, right, and, and have internalized this, this idea that we're not valuable, right, that, that we're not worthy. And so, for us, it was about demonstrating, you know, every day it's about demonstrating a level of self-determination that we have the power to to show up for for ourselves. So I would say just by being there, right, consistently, right, having an, 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 an open door, being welcoming, right, that number one is a form of wellness. It's something that helps to change minds. It, 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 it helps people to reorient themselves to themselves and who they are, right? And people who, who look like them, 
right? Because we've had such negative experiences. So that's number one. And then number two is that we, we recognize that, you know, when our hands get to creating, right, there's something magical that, that, that happens in the brain, right? Where walls come tumbling down, right? And, and, and folks are, are, are able to talk about the things they've, they've been through. People are a- able to lean into their black radical imagination, right? <laughs> and, and, and be able to um, envision something different. Right. And so I, I, you know, that's been my personal experience, right? Creativity and, 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 and making things within community and within sisterhood has dramatically changed and changed my own life and has been a, a huge part of my own, um, like healing journey. And so, you know, as a teaching artist, that's one of the things that you, um, that, you know, I'm, so passionate about bringing to to other people. So, you know, Ujima, we work with um, the senior center in our neighborhood. We, you know, I just went up right before I got COVID. I was up there making um, holiday ornaments with the senior centers because in Harrisburg, I think the state capitol puts up a big Christmas tree every year. And so they, they invited a lot of the senior centers across the state to send in ornaments that seniors have have made right and so the folks at the senior center said hey ujima we need you to come up here Mm -hmm. and help them um, make these items right and so we do work like that all of the time because we recognize that one is you know even the word ujama right means cooperative economics it's a word that that comes from Tanzania in East Africa, but a part of that like original meaning is an obligation to generosity, right? It's it's about sharing what we have, right, in a way that that bolsters and builds the people around us, right? That um, we can't just be doing something that's solely for ourselves. We recognize that there is a ripple effect. And that, that oftentimes once our cup is full, right, if we're pouring into our cup consistently, there's going to be some overflow. Sure. There, there, there's going to be more to share, right? And so we recognize that we, you know, it's a part of our practice. Um, and we know that that creates wellness, right? That those kinds of relationships create wellness for us. So, Keisha, everything you said excites me. My question, you've got a group of black women that come together and you're saying things like um, you, you want, you know, bold and work together and generosity and all of that sounds really good. But what happens when somebody wants to do something different from you? What happens when there's conflict? How do you all resolve conflict? <laughs> Are you going to tell me you don't have conflict? You know? Of course, everybody has conflict, conflict. and and, and honestly, right, one of the things I've been learning as I build deeper relationships with other Black folks doing this kind of work across the country, right, we talk about tensions, right, and that tensions are not necessarily bad things, right? Leaning into tensions and leaning into conflict is actually where we grow, right? Leaning into our growing edge. And so, yeah, you know, tensions and conflicts exist. It's, it's, 
it's an opportunity for us to figure out, right, and really pinpoint what is the need that's not being met. Because that's really what attention or a conflict is. It means that somebody has a need that's not being met, right? And so for, for us, I think one of the first things we do in general, right, is that even in coming together, we, we have, you know, really like agreed upon sets of shared values and principles, right? This is how we're coming together. Um, these are the things we have agreed on that are important to us. We we operate with a set of what we call community relational agreements, right? What does every individual need in order to show up in inside of this body, right? And so oftentimes when attention comes up, we have to go back to those agreements and say, okay, these are what we've we've said that we are, you know, bonding around and, you know, maybe somebody is out of alignment with what these principles are, right? And so we can have some conversations about that. But, but, but also, right, like everybody has free will. And if there's not a way, right, to meet the unmet need inside of the group, right, we do encourage folks to figure out, you know, where else is there to get that need met, right? Um, because we, you know, the reality is we all can't be everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but tensions and conflicts aren't necessarily something that that we should be afraid of. You know, oftentimes they they are windows to past traumas. They are places where we might still need some healing. Um, places where we can invite more wellness in like into our lives. Right. But it's, again, it's just a place for us to grow. And so, yeah, you know, sometimes it might be a situation where someone's like, Hey, when we go and vend, I want the table to look like this. And someone is like, well, no, I think the table should look like this. Right. And we got to work it through in that moment. And there are sometimes some compromises there, but one way or another, we, we make it through and we go on to do it the next day. But Keisha, we're going to take our next break now. I, this has been great talking to you about Ujima. I think I'm saying it the way you said, um, and how you got started in your purpose. When I, when we get back, I would like for you to talk about some of the products that you all make that the artists create, uh, and how people can buy them for their Christmas. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We're talking to Lakeisha Wolf from Ujima Collective out of Pittsburgh. National Cooperative Bank has been our main supporter, financial and otherwise, in these 10 years that we've been on the air. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial 
and related services. And as you've heard Lakeisha talking about Ujama and you know it's it's a, it's a group of artists, mainly African American women artists, who create work. But she was talking about the power of unity, the power of culture, being consistent together, and wellness. And Lakeisha, I really like your black radical imagination. Okay, <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna see if I can get some of that. What ask you? How many members are are there in your co-op, and what kind of products do you all produce? Mm-hmm. So we currently serve well over seventy plus um, artists um, and makers and and creative entrepreneurs. So the product range in in our shop, um, and, we're, and we're also online. Um, goes from everywhere um, from jewelry, body care, and other like herbal wellness products, teas and tinctures, things like that, to clothing, you know, formal uh, clothing, a lot of things within this sort of Africana cultural space, you know, a lot of bright patterns, um, but but also, um, you know, everyday, uh, everyday like urban wear, so sweatshirts, you know, with nice messaging. We carry a lot of different kinds of artwork and other creations. So things, you know, paintings and things that can go on the wall, but also um, like table art, hair care. It's, it's a huge, a huge range, a lot of crochet items. We, we carry a lot of books. So books that are written for adults. We, we sell a lot of children's books, you know, a lot of like culturally responsive children's books, you know, books with, with black characters and uh, storylines, you know, we have artists who create uh, waist beads for women, crochet items, you know, scarves, hats, but also um, like stuffed animals, little cute little stuffies. Um, it's a huge range, you know, um, a lot of things for men, women, children, everybody, you know, a lot of like paper, good stationaries, journals, um, a lot, a, a lot of things. There's a lot of things there. There's, there's something for everybody at Ujima and it's a space that is open to everybody to come and shop, right? We, we, we feel like this is the, the place where, you know, makers and artists get to kind of meet their conscientious consumers, right? So folks who one like great quality goods, right? So we have a standard of quality, but two is that we want to make sure that we're circulating dollars within black hands, right? And so we work with artists who are based locally in our region around Pittsburgh, but also across the country and also around the globe. So we have uh, fair trade partners in Tanzania, in Ghana, in Kenya, um, and we work with other groups to to make sure that we're supporting Black artists wherever they're at. Okay. How many different items, products do you have in the store, would you estimate? And that is a question. So I would say, like, in looking at our inventory system recently, there's definitely, like, on our website, there's over a thousand um, items. So there, yeah, 
it's hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of unique items, again, um, that, that, you know, I'm sure that somebody could find something uh, for, for, for somebody. And then we also, um, through, through our website, um, which I'll just plug it in here really quickly, mm-hmm. is... Take your time, take your time, take your time. Yeah, it's Ujama, which is U-J-A-M-A-A Collective. Uh, dot org. You can find um, also e gift cards. So um, if you want to, you know, if you're not sure what somebody would would like, you can also purchase a gift card. You can use that that gift card online, um, in store. It's a digital card, so you know you can come into the store and just pull it up, and we can plug that that number in. But you can also use it online um, in our e commerce store. So when you go online, I'm, I just came online, it says about Ujamaa, then programs, then shop. So I clicked on shop, and you can start an order. And they give you all of these different pictures of things that you can shop for. Okay, about five years ago, Lakeisha, I came into the store in Pittsburgh, and I bought Christmas gifts, mainly for the women in my life, my nieces and nephews and sister and friends they all liked their gifts and the quality was superb uh, i really appreciate it i like what you do and that's one of the reasons that you are in our first uh holiday list everything co-op has created a holiday list and ujama collective is one of 15 finalists in there because the quality is great. My only complaint, Lakeisha, and I don't know if you'd call it a complaint, but the only concern I had was I thought that the prices that you all have were too low compared to the quality. And I was concerned about that for um, creating wealth for the artists, creating wealth for your boutique. Because I also have it that any individual artist, you or Frankie, or anybody else in there could not have his boutique on your own. It's by being collective, you can have a storefront. You can work together. You can do these things together. So how do you make sure you get enough profit so that you last for centuries? So that was my only concern was your your pricing. So can you tell me about your pricing? Sure. You know, Honestly, we'd love to mark all the prices up. <laughs> you know, our first our first concern, right? One is that, you know, is is being fair, right? So, you know, all of our artists um set their own prices, right? Sometimes there are conversations about what that price is. Sometimes things um sometimes we have artists who can come into the the space uh, more than anything, it's underpricing, right? And we do raise prices. Um, but then we also have some moments where folks overprice, right? And, and it's really about where the market is in our region, right? So, you know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, Pittsburgh is not DC, though, you know, with gentrification, with inflation, right? We probably will see, um, our prices go, go up. But we do our best to try to hit a margin that is that is fair for our individual artists, right? Fair for the co-op itself, but also fair and accessible 
for the customer base in our local area, right? And so we are in a place where, you know, while we have a diverse customer base, a huge portion of our customer base are are black women who very much mirror the black women who are in our who are in our co-op. And so those women, you know, the the average income, like annual income in the neighborhood in which our store is, is less than $30,000. Well, wait a minute. So, oh, oh, excuse me. Let me stop you. So $27,000 for a family of four is what the U.S. call in poverty, if you're 27000 mm-hmm. or less. So if you are less than 30, then there's a lot of people that the U.S. say are in poverty. I have found that number doesn't work, that too often – I don't know how anybody in a family of four could live in D.C. on 27,000. So I, I doubt if they can live in Pittsburgh on 27,000. It's getting Yeah, it's getting very difficult, you, you know. And so there's, you know, I'm sure across the country, right, this is what black communities are facing, right? And, and here in Pittsburgh, Folks who, who have historically black folks who've lived in the city centers, right, where, where our store is at have been priced out, right? And so, so a lot of those families have been moved further out into the county where, where there's less resources, there's actually less support. Um, and so that, that, that's something that we are facing here. But what we also find is that you know, people fall in love with Ujima, right? Because for a lot of people, it's not just a store, right? It's, it's, it's bigger than the store. It's about supporting something that they recognize has a ripple effect that, that supports beyond just, you know, exchanging, you know, a couple of dollars for a product. So we have folks who, make the trek across the city from some of the suburbs to specifically come and spend their money with us year after year. I will say, you know, a part of our strategy as low-income women, when when we began this cooperative venture, right, was to be able to create a for-profit business that, that, that we all uh, benefited from. But also a part of the strategy was, you know, if you heard me earlier, I said that we are a a uh, nonprofit cooperative, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. we also have a nonprofit, right? And our and our nonprofit is able to secure support from the philanthropic community, from the community at large, in order to meet our mission, which is to provide, you know, co-ops and cooperative, you know, training and support for not just these women, right? But now what what we're looking at is, you know, how do we share the message of black cooperation more broadly, right? Because what what we do within our store is a very niche thing, right? It's very specific to creatives and artists, right? But we recognize that you know, folks need support in in translating that message of cooperation to food co-ops, to housing co-ops, right, to child care co-ops, right? All of the other needs that 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 folks have 
um, we recognize that this kind of cooperative strategy can also get us there. So, so we see ourselves as being able to right have this retail store, but also create sort of this incubator and this foundation that allows us, right, it gets back to the leaning into our radical imaginations, right, about what is possible, right? Mm -hmm. What is possible when we can put down some of the individual pursuits of doing things alone to recognizing that we have some shared needs and we could do it together. And it might take us a little bit longer, but it's going to, in the long run, be more sustainable, right? So through all of the ups and downs of business, if we were not a cooperative entity built on a foundation of these kinds of values and principles, we would not be here, right? This is okay. 15 I, years later. Yeah, we wouldn't be here without that. So everybody out there, do you hear Lakeisha preach? She's <laughs> preaching the co-op sermon, which I love. And we're going to come back and talk about the future. You, This is a great segue to talk about the future of both Ujima and these other co-ops, food co-ops, housing co-ops, child care, etc. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. News Talk 1450 WOLAM, where information is power. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And Lakeisha Wolf is our guest today, who has just been enlightening me on <laughs> Ujima Collective is so much more than black women creating art. So, so much more. And when you're talking about this incubator, well, before we do that, I want to talk about the four different types of co-ops. And it depends on who owns and controls the business. If the business is owned and controlled by the employees, then it's called a worker co-op. So any business that you could think of could be a worker co-op. If it's owned and controlled by the person that uses the products or services, then it's a consumer co-op. Housing co-ops, credit union, food co-ops, they all are consumer co-ops. Now, food co-op could be a consumer co-op or it could be a worker co-op. And they are having hybrids. They could be both own and control it. But if a group of people or companies come together and purchase the products and services they need, they normally get better quality at a lower price. It's called a purchasing co-op. Farmers use this. Artists use it. There's a group in D.C. called Consumer Purchasing Alliance, Alliance that was created for churches and nonprofits. And the fourth one is a group of people or business come together to market their products or services to get access to more markets at a better price. Farmers like Cabot Creamery, Lando Lakes, Ocean Spray, and artists like Ujima Collective in Pittsburgh, they're all marketing co-ops. So you were talking about this incubation. Have you all started looking at or doing any work in creating other co-ops? Um, yeah, we've definitely explored it a lot over the over the years. You know, we've you know it's always challenging because there's there's so many supports right that that people need in order to um, start something new, and sometimes we haven't always had the capacity to support all of the ideas that 
that a lot of women have had over over the years. But one of the one of the things we um, did for for a long time, right? And and the, and the reality is, you know, some businesses are, are are set up in ways in which they they last for a period of time to serve a certain need, mm. uh, and then it gets dissolved when those folks don't want to do it anymore. Um, and so we've we've done a, you know a lot of different things around that. One 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 example would be. A, a catering co-op. We've had members in the past who have been, you know, cooks and chefs and all of that, and you know, doing really dynamic uh, food service work. Um, and so, some of those women have come together and have done um, cooperative catering over the years. We've had um, some of our jewelry artists, including myself, years years ago. Some of us would actually purchase supplies together, right? We would make a list, like, what are the things we're all using, even though we're doing different kinds of jewelry, um, but what are the common things? And so we've done bulk purchasing, right? And so for for us, it's been, you know, over the years, it's been really about, like, what are the cooperative strategies, right? Um, you know, everything doesn't necessarily have to become, you know, this, like, legalized, formalized um, entity, Right. Um, but it's really about the practice. But but I would say most recently, you know, in the past couple of years, um, and I know that we actually were on your show back in June, I think end of May, June, um, a group of us, um, black cooperators from across the country. Right. We have formalized a new group called the National Association of Black Cooperators and in, you know, working with and learning with this larger group of, of, of folks, we've recognized that we need to kind of build capacity across the country where we're learning together so that we can take more insight and more streamlined support into our local communities. And so that's what's happening for us in Pittsburgh now is that um, so in, in, the, in the new year, one of the things that Ujima is going to, to be doing is a program called um, the Collective Courage Calls. And so it is um, named after the book by Dr. Jessica Gordon-Emhart called Collective Courage, which, which is like this sort of anthology of African-American uh, cooperative thought and practice. And so what, what we're doing is through this network now that we're a part of, right, and we're, we're deepening these, these relationships, we're going to be doing this virtual program where all of these black cooperators, right, get to, to come on over time and share compelling stories of how they are practicing cooperation, right? Whether it be a, um, a healthcare co-op or housing, right? Whatever it is, right? For us, it's really about how do we share these stories? And, you know, and specifically, right, our goal is to inspire and really encourage black people in Pittsburgh, right? Like our statistics in Pittsburgh for black women and black children, right? And black families are really dire. And we recognize that, you know, again, I said before, like no one's coming to save us. And so how can we, right, lean into our own history, our, our own lived experiences and share these stories because we are saving ourselves in lots of places, right? And 
this is who we are, right? We are a people of self-determination. And I believe that, you know, in the next couple of years, in the next 5, 10, 15 years, we're going to see profound changes in Black communities based upon folks learning how and really embodying being cooperative. So I, I think that is great. And I keep telling myself I need to join that group, National Association of Black Cooperators. I've had several people on the show, but are you familiar with Shy Fresh out of Chicago? I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a group of five African-American women previously incarcerated or had some difficulty with the law, have come together and created this company where it's food servicing, catering, but it's to institutions like churches or or schools. They provide um, lunches and meals. It seemed like it's going well, and they started during the pandemic. They started early because the need was there. Uh, it seemed like they're doing great. But there's all kinds of different ideas. Up-and-coming conference would be a great one to go to. But on this National Association of Black Cooperatives, I think Malik from Detroit People's yeah, Food Co-op is one of the ones that helped to start yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and he's just phenomenal. I think I interviewed him maybe 70 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And then at the Up and Common conference, we I chaired a panel which he and his board chair was on. That was a lot of fun, listening to their story. Hey, Brother Malik was actually in a he was a panelist in a workshop that I facilitated back in uh, in June in Las Vegas at the National uh, Black Co-op Conference. Um, and that that actually was a workshop specifically about the role of culture right in doing this work so yeah and he's and he's and he's practicing it he's living it out he's sharing his lessons and so yeah he's somebody who i deeply deeply appreciate he got standing ovations at the up and coming for his ability to help people to understand as a he's a teacher <laughs> that's just, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what he does so if he inspires people and i was going to go to that in vegas but i, I had a surgery in march and I was not prepared to go. I didn't go. I wanted to go out there. So do you see any co-ops for child care for black women? Matter of fact, women in the workforce, child care seems to be one of the, the bigger issues. And child care cooperatives is an answer to that to that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a need. It, it has not, you know, here in Pittsburgh, it hasn't yet happened that, that I know of in a more formalized way. I think in, informally, um, you know, black families and, and specifically black mothers have, I think, done forms of that, right? But I would say that what I do see emerging is um, some homeschool co-ops. Um, you, you know, so there's, there's black families who are homeschooling their children and are coming together, right, with other families doing this same thing. I mean, just this morning, a friend of mine reached out and said, oh, I'm homeschooling my eight-year-old daughter this this year. We're trying this out. Do you know other families who are doing this, right? And so I think that there's there's a need. There is an openness, right? Um, I'm, I'm also I'm helping another woman I know who is a journalist, right, and who's and who's a writer to organize some other folks to start a um, co-op newspaper or newsletter, 
oh. um, for the Hill District neighborhood. Yeah, so I think that folks folks are recognizing the power of co-ops and are like, hey, like let's let's try to make make this happen. And so I'm doing my best. You know, our collective is going to do our best to support and show up to you know to see that happen because mm-hmm. it's only beneficial. Lakeisha, thank you so very much. What you've shared today is extremely beneficial, and I've learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please keep up the good work. Thank you. And everybody out there, we'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively.